Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Joy Willette. Give the Lord a hand clap this morning. <laughs> He's so awesome. I know this morning it's a little bit unexpected. We were supposed to have our next generation service today with our kids and teens and, and uh, junior hires and stuff like that. We ended up with so many kids that were quarantining and stuff. So we just decided we wanted as many kids to be able to participate as possible. So we are going to be doing next generation service on December the 12th. We will be combining services on the 12th again. But in the meantime, it is fun to have everyone together, right? <laughs> How many of you enjoy having like the whole family together. It's awesome. Pray for that new building. It's going to be awesome. So uh, a couple announcements real quick. Um, we, uh, as you know, Chad Dedman is coming December the 5th. Well, guess what? He is also going to be doing an entire conference here, which is fantastic. Um, December 3rd and the 4th is going to be the conference. Um, it is a school of prayer and intercession. And I'm telling you, like, God has set this up. It is aligned right at the right season. Um, the Lord's been giving us encounters with praying mantises and telling us it's time to step into a fresh assignment of prayer and intercession. And here he comes along to bring a how-to on uh, prayer and intercession. Um, it is going to be full of glory encounters. Um, he moves very strongly in the prophetic and healing and things like that. It's going to be super encouraging. I know that prayer is not the biggest draw for like, oh yeah, I'm going to come to this conference about prayer. Like we kind of want to add like glory explosion or like prophetic prayer promises and stuff like that. Then maybe you'll have like the whole herd show up. But um, I'm telling you, this is an important conference. There's breakthroughs um, that are going to happen in this conference. Sign up for it. Um, there is a fee for this one. This one's going to be $30 a seat. Um, so register really quickly for that. And then obviously he's going to be here on Sunday as well. Um, tell your friends about it. This is going to be a really important thing. God's doing amazing things, but he partners with us through prayer. Amen. And then uh, secondly, starting next week, um, we are shifting and moving to different service times than we've been. As you know, we have been at 9 a.m. and 10.50, and people have been asking, why 10.50? And we're feeling the rush in between services, and we don't like, first service keeps getting shortchanged, like on the message and stuff. We're trying to, you know, shrink things and, and streamline as best as we can, but it, we just found out, it's just like we're, we're putting ourselves in striving mode for that first service. So we're just going to make it even, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, boom. Amen? Someone say 9 o'clock. Someone say 11 o'clock. Does that make more sense? Yes, yeah. So we'll be scraping some stuff off the window, but that's okay. We're all learning and growing. <laughs> there's grace for us in this season. Amen? Someone say, there's grace for me in this season. And say, if there's grace for me, then there's grace for you too. <laughs> Amen. All right. Um, I don't usually do this, but I have a few funny things. I know that's like Daniel's thing. But uh, I have a few funny things I want to start with. Um, so these are just like, some things I've collected and thought was funny. This first one is probably going to date anyone who laughs. You're going to be dated as to how old you are. Um, this, <laughs> this is something I saw in a post. Do you have a friend, a coworker, an acquaintance who isn't acting normal? Reach out. Ask them if they are really Scott Bakula attempting to change history for the better. Anyone get that reference? <laughs> Quantum Leap. Do you guys remember the show Quantum Leap? All right. 
Man, I'm just, I'm too old. Okay. Uh, next one. This was a post from a friend of mine. He says, um, I know how it will end for me. One of my kids will unplug my life support to charge their phone. <laughs> Who relates to that one? So I was like, where did my charger go? Who has it? Who did it? All right. Uh, this is another one that, uh, that made me laugh. Um, this is the last one. Um, this is about boy moms. Any boy moms in here? I have four boys in the house now. It's a little bit wild. Boy mom, my friend asked me what it was like to live in a house full of boys, so I peed on her bathroom floor, ate everything in her fridge, told her 800 stories about Minecraft, farted 20 times, and when she was ready to kill me, I gave her a hug and told her she was pretty. <laughs> that is my life, like every day, like word for word, boom. I'm like, how did this person have a secret camera into my house? And uh, yeah, they're just there, but they're so sweet. Just like, Mom, you're so beautiful. Your hair is so pretty. It's just awesome. All right. <laughs> so, a little bit of funny, a little bit of God anesthesia before a message. It's going to go deep. All right. So, get your laughers ready. Ha 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 ha. Ha ha ha. Lord, we just welcome the, the joy of the Lord. That's like the most wonderful anesthesia, God. I thank you for the heart surgery that you're getting ready to do on every single one of us this morning, God. I thank you, Father, that when you come, Lord, you bring healing, Jesus, that you always have good intention. You always have good plans for us, God. You are always a good Father, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that today you are ending cycles of pain. Today in the name of Jesus. And I just thank you so much for what you're about to do. I ask, Father, for ears and hearts and minds and guts and just every part of us to be anointed to receive what it is that you're saying to each one of us individually. I pray that you would give us ears to, e to hear and eyes to see, hearts to receive, God, this morning, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for your anointing that comes and breaks yokes of bondage. Lord, we just welcome your presence right now. Even just put your hands out right now. Lord, we welcome your presence. Lord, we welcome your presence. Now put your hands on your heart. Lord, I welcome your presence in this place. I welcome your presence in this place. Woo! <laughs> yes, we welcome your presence in this place. Hmm, yeah, just drink, drink it in. Oh, wow, he just loves you so much. <laughs> Woo! Yes. Yeah, thank you, Lord. I thank you that you have abounding joy for each one, God. I thank you that we don't need joy at the end of the battle. We need joy in the middle of the battle because the joy of the Lord is our strength. So we receive your joy this morning. Yeah, we receive your joy this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, this, this morning, this is going to be a breakthrough message. Um, cycles of pain are stopping today. I highly recommend um, that you take notes. And this is not me talking about me as a preacher. This is about like the Lord corrected me last night and was like, you need to talk about something totally different than you were planning on talking about. And, um, and there's, there's some things in here that um, is, it's going to really set you free, um, but it's going to take a few times of chewing on it and digesting it to really fully receive what it is that God is doing. So, so I want everyone, I do this with my kids a lot, everyone raise your right hand and say, I promise to receive this message and think about how it applies to me and not the 12 people around me. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> it's going to be one of those, you're like, oh my gosh, I have that person, that person, this is for that person, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, this is for you. 
<laughs> All right. So a couple of days ago, I was in a totally different part of town. I was like running errands and run around. Truthfully, I was shopping. <laughs> and I got a great recommendation from someone. And uh, I'm not usually down on Bell Road. And um, I got done, and I was hungry. And I was like, OK, I'm going to go to lunch. And it's like really rare for me to have a day that's like kid-free. Like I love my husband, husband-free. <laughs> and you know, I can just kind of choose what I'm doing. And um, I was hungry, and so I stopped at Boston Market. I was like, okay, like I can kind of stay on my plan here-ish, you know. And I go through the drive-through, and then there's a big sign on the drive-through. I've never seen that before. And they're like, sorry, a drive-through's down. Um, just come on inside. And I'm like, yeah, I don't love sitting in restaurants by myself. Anyone in that? Road with me. Like, I've gone to the movies by myself one time. <laughs> I was very proud of myself. But sitting in a restaurant, I was just like, meh, I'll just, I'll just drive away. And so I started driving down Bell Road back towards the freeway. And um, I pass a restaurant on my left, and I felt the Lord's presence. Like, I felt him. It was like a word of knowledge. You need to stop and eat there right now. And I was like, okay, it's Manuel's Mexican restaurant, and they have, like, the best chips and salsa. And I'm like, Lord, is that you, or is that me trying to get off my plan and have some chips and salsa? And um, I asked the Lord, and I asked him, like, again and again. And he's like, yes, you need to stop and eat there. And so, of course, my expectation goes huge. I'm like, someone's going to get saved there. Like, there's going to be a word of knowledge. Someone's about to get healed. I'm picturing, like, revival happening at the Manuel's. I'm like, we're going to do an altar call. We're going to have people lining up in a fire tunnel, and we're just going to, like, you know, wreck everybody in the presence, and it's going to spread from the Manuel's on Bell Road. And uh, that's, that's where my heart was. That's what I was hoping for. I was, like, ready. And so I go in there, and I got seated in the booth. And I'm by myself, and normally I would feel so completely awkward. Who relates to this? I would probably pull out my phone and try to disconnect even from my own self um, and distract myself from the fact that I'm sitting there alone. Anyone else relate to that? Um, but when I was seated in that booth, I had an overwhelming sense of God's presence. Like it felt like he was literally sitting in the seat across from me. And I was like, oh man, like God's going to do something. He's so here. And for me, like as a feeler, I don't tend to walk into restaurants and feel like the presence of God happening. I tend to walk in and feel the atmosphere and the clamor or like the waitress is struggling with something I can pick up on heaviness or whatever. But for whatever reason, I was just like, wow, the presence of God is so here. I was sitting in this booth and I did not feel alone at all. I felt 100% in my own identity. I felt comfortable. I felt like I could like take down the lion and the bear, like that kind of thing. So I'm just like looking around, I'm just like, God, what do you have? And I'm just like praying into it, but I'm, I'm getting nothing thing. And I'm trying stuff with the waitress, but she's like always holding this like giant tray and like running around. And it just like wasn't, it wasn't happening there. So I'm just like, Lord, what, what do you have me here for? And then suddenly I realized, um, and, and what he spoke to my heart is like, we're on a date. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and like, I still struggled against it, to be honest. I was like, yeah, but you know, you're here. So it's like some, I'm sure someone has to get healed here, right? And he's just like, no. He's like, I've invited you out on a date. And um, it was funny. I had completely forgotten. It was like the week prior um, in my prayer time, I got this like sudden drop in my spirits, probably because Chad is coming. Um, that part of his testimony is that he dated Jesus for like a year. And, um, and 
I, I, I had it in my heart. I'm just like, I feel like I'm supposed to date Jesus, but then I forgot about it for like a week. So then here I am sitting in this restaurant. The presence of God is so thick in a restaurant, and he's like, we're on a date. And guess what? He initiated it because he is so wonderful. Like, he, that's, that's who he is. And so the, the truth is, is like the, the prior three days, I had entered into strive mode. The kids had woken up way too early for three days in a row. That affects, like, what my prayer life looks like. I wasn't having the secret place time like I, like I love to have. And um, I, I found myself striving and stressing. And that's something that I really strive to lay down striving. And I really labor to enter into rest. Anyone relate to that? You have to labor to enter into rest because everything inside of you wants to get kicked up and everything wants to tell you, I've got to strive, I've got to perform, I've got to make it happen. And, uh, and that's kind of the mode that I was in without even fully realizing it. So I'm on this date with Jesus <laughs> and I just kind of start processing things with him. I start processing my day, the things that are on my heart. Wow, this is interesting. The wind of the Holy Spirit... Boom. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I just started processing my day, processing things that were on my heart or that I was concerned about. And um, it was just the most awesome time. And I ate my food. It was not awkward at all. I didn't order food for Jesus because I didn't want to be tempted to eat his food. I'm on a very specific plan. <laughs> so, um, But it was a wonderful time. And by the time I got done and I was leaving the restaurant, I felt 10 feet taller. I felt fully 100% in my identity. I felt like, where's the giant? Let me at him. I'm going to take him down. And uh, it was amazing because God initiated that. And so he started speaking to me about that because what I didn't even put two and two together is that Manuel's is a restaurant that Daniel and I used to go to when we were first dating. Like, that was where we always ended up. We would be like, you want to go here? I don't know. Do you feel like this? I don't know. I don't know. Let's just go to Manuel's. Like, that's where we always ended up. And, uh, and so the Lord starts speaking to me. He's like, I'm bringing you back to your first love. And he's bringing that back. And, and what's beautiful about it is that he is initiating it. Because we only love because he first loved us. Amen? So our heart position really needs to be striving to see how much love of God can I receive inside of me? How much of his grace, how much of his love, how much of his tenderness? That was the overwhelming sense that I had, his tenderness toward me. In that booth, it was just like, oh, it was like the most loving tenderness coming toward me, his, his absolute affection for me, and, um, and that he loved um, that I was sitting there in the booth with him. Now, God is no respecter of persons. Someone says he loves me the same as he loves joy. Well, not exactly the same, but uniquely for you. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? All right. Yeah. So he was bringing me back to first love. He was bringing me back to intimacy. He was bringing me back to connection and the love relationship that he always intended this to be. And anything that we do in ministry or for someone else or whatever is going to come out of the overflow of what he is doing in our hearts. Which is why when we're pouring out and 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 we're not receiving love, we tend to burn out. 
In fact, you will burn out. <laughs> Let me just break it to you straight. You will burn out if you are not getting filled up in the secret place with his love, allowing him to do things in your heart. And when you are, it will naturally overflow to those around you so that then you are giving something that is from him rather than trying to do something for him out of your own strength. Does this make sense? All right. Someone say first love. Mm -hmm. What tends to happen is we start out with connection, and then we start falling into performance and checklists and stress. And God is like, I'm bringing you back to first love. All right. So um, if we can put the first scripture up on the screen, it's going to feel like we're taking a sudden shift, but we're not. Because without that first part and building that foundation first, we will not be able to enter fully into what the Lord is talking about for today. So uh, Matthew 7, 1 through 5, judge not, someone say judge not. That you not be, or that you be not judged. <laughs> There's a tongue twister for you. For with that, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Or some, some translations say, a log. A log is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So notice, it says don't judge, and why does it say not to judge? Because then you will be judged. Who is judging? Is God judging you? <laughs> Everyone's like, I don't know. <laughs> She's setting me up for a trick answer. Um, it's, I, I submit to you, it's not God judging you. He's, he removed that like we are in Christ. Amen. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a lesson for another day. God is not judging you. He has, he has removed that. Okay. This is other people. Okay? So in the way that you judge, that will be measured back to you. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, we're going to explain more about that. So we need to figure out what is the log in our own eye. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, how many of you have ever seen videos of, like, gym fails? People using equipment wrong, and it's just, like, ridiculous. They're, like, taking something, they and they're just, like, whipping it around, and it's, like, so not what you're supposed to do, right? So I've watched videos like that, and I have laughed, and I have judged the people in those videos. So I'm just going to be honest. It's just, like, okay, like, that's, like, ridiculous. Oh, my gosh, how can they not know that that's not how you use that machine? So then guess what happens when I walk into a gym and I'm unfamiliar? What's running through my head when I sit down on a machine that I don't know how to use properly. The gym fail video, me, like, I must look absolutely ridiculous. With the same measure that I use to judge other people, it is now being measured back to me through my own eyes. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a story about um, when I was a kid. Um, I was a kid, like, skinny little kid, like, you would think, fairly healthy, <laughs> um, skinny kid, and I would go to PE class, and uh, they would be running the mile, and whenever they said, we're running the mile today, it was like, dun, 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 like, I just, I hated it. I hated running the mile, and the reason I hated running the mile is because I couldn't do it, 
And I'm like, ooh, I'm getting teared up right now. Ooh. Um, I couldn't do it. And the, and the reason I couldn't do it, obviously, at that time I didn't know, was because I had a heart condition. And so I would go on, on these runs, and I would be the last kid every time. And I was a skinny kid. You know, I was an active kid. I loved being outside. But this mile thing just escaped me. And the whole class would have to wait for me to finish. And they're like, oh, come on. And the PE teacher would even be like, what are you doing? Like, it, and I'm just like, no, it hurts. Like, it, like, I can't breathe. My lungs hurt. Like, come on, come on. You know, pick it up. Get over it. Suck it up. You know, that kind of stuff. And that became really painful for me. And when that happened, I made a decision that what was happening was because I am not athletic, I'm not meant for this, and maybe I'm lazy. And so that's when that came in, into my head and into my heart, okay? So fast forward in time, praise God, I get healed from a heart condition. And I'm just like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Like, I can't, I can't, I didn't even know that I had a heart condition. Um, and it, like, there was little upcroppings of it throughout my childhood and teenage years and stuff. But then it finally got healed when it was um, really, really bad. And so praise God for that. And so now, fast forward to about uh, maybe a month ago, two months ago, something like that. And um, I decide that it is time for me to walk into a gym. And um, I've attempted things in this area before. Um, I've gotten painful comments about it. I've had people speaking failure over me or that I wasn't doing it right. And um, so it was really difficult. And so what happened is that I attached significance to those comments and it reinforced the judgment that I already made about myself of, I am not athletic, I am not meant for this, and what was, what was the last one? That I'm lazy, right? So then it just reinforces and reinforces. So cue about a month ago, which, by the way, I could beat you in a game of tetherball. When I was six years old, man, have you ever, you ever played tetherball? Like, I could whip that thing around and get it up over your head, and they'd be all frustrated because you're, like, pretty stationary in that game. <laughs> I could play that one. But uh, anyway, so cue about a month ago. Um, I go to the gym, and I enter into the weight section for the first time. And what do you think are the thoughts that are screaming in my head? What's the record that's playing in my head? And I'm, I'm in there, and I know I have gym shame. I know. like I'm like, I'm kicking this thing in the face. Like, that's, that's what I'm there for. I'm taking this giant down, right? So I have on these giant noise-canceling headphones just to, like, kind of be in my own world. Like, I kind of want to have a hat on so I can be like, no one can see who I am as I'm conquering shame, right? And, uh, and I go to the weights. And it's just like every thought in my head, everyone's staring at me. They're, they're looking at a gym fail video right now. I'm doing it all wrong or whatever. And it was absolutely ridiculous. I had to, to text Angela. I'm just like, just talk to me. Just talk. I'm in between sets. Just talk to me. What else are we supposed to do? You know, I was just like, I just need a friend. I need to not feel alone right now. And, and I'm like, it's really awesome to take down giants in community. Amen. I've had some, some really wonderful help from people around me that know what they're doing in the gym and have walked me through it. Shout out, Amica. Shout out, Angela. And uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Um, but those judgments are being measured back to me in my own head. Does that make sense? So like, you know, the girl at the gym that like knows what she's doing or whatever, and I'm on a machine, and she's looking at me. And then she's looking at me again, and I'm like, what you looking at? <laughs> right? 
And then I realize when I step off the machine, she's just been waiting for that machine. <laughs> My own judgments are being measured back to me. And guess what? Judgments are the great limiter of our lives. It's the great limiter of your life. Your own judgments are trying to stop you from pursuing the things that you do belong in. Amen? How many of you know I do belong at the gym? <laughs> How many of you know that I'm a grown woman feeling like a six-year-old at the gym? It's ridiculous. I belong there just as much as that girl. And bless her. She's awesome. You know what I mean? Like my own judgments will even prevent me from connecting with someone wonderful. Does that make sense? All right. So we need to stop the record player. In order to stop the record player, do I need to stop her from looking at me? In order to stop the record player, do I need to stop all the gym fail videos that there are on the world? <laughs> no. Do I need to have a talk with everyone at the gym that I feel like is judging me? No. You are more powerful than you think. And you have more power to determine how much pain you experience in life than you could possibly imagine. What I was hearing in the gym was my own judgments. This is the log in my eye. Self-judgment becomes the tainted lens through which we see the world and the people around us. I'm going to say it again. Self-judgment becomes the tainted lens through which we see the world and the people around us. And I'll even add to that, it becomes the tainted lens through which we see God. Because we think God is saying the same things about us that we're saying about ourselves. Does that make sense? All right. So how do we get the log out of our eye? Judge not. And God is saying judge not, not because if you, if you judge, I'm going to judge you. You, you. you better not judge. I'm going to judge you back. <laughs> That's not what he's saying. <laughs> he's saying judge not because it causes you pain. It causes you pain, and it skews the lens. Obviously, we can't see with a giant log, <laughs> right? It kind of skews the way we see everything. We have a giant log in our face. And then we're not able to remove a speck from our brother's eye. It does indicate in there that there are times that we help remove a speck. Amen? All right. But we're not starting a speck ministry, just so you know. <laughs> Do not volunteer for the speck ministry. <laughs> All right, so what is judgment, okay? You can identify that someone has done something and you can observe that they've done something. When you assume that you know why they did it, you have now entered into judgment. Right into the judgment zone, okay? When you assume you know someone's motive, when you assume you know the why, you have now entered into judgment zone. Okay, generally, you will apply the why according to the log that you have in your eye. Okay, I heard a horrible story about <laughs> a wife texting her husband with a picture of her in the store with a dress on saying, honey, does this make me look fat? And the husband texts back, no, big O's, exclamation point, exclamation point. And then it got auto-corrected to moo. <laughs> Lord, may he rest in peace. <laughs> so the reason why that is going to hurt her so bad is because she has self-judgment already. Amen. Yes, it's unwise for him to do that. 
But this is why we started out with being in his presence and being fully in our identity in Christ, receiving his love. The only person that gets to speak to who I am as a person, my worth, my value, is Jesus. And other people's comments to me can help solidify that and strengthen that. But I am going to take other people's comments through the filter of, does God say that about me? Because that is the truth that I'm comparing every comment to. Does that make sense? Amen. All right. The second you assume to know why a person did something, you have just attached significance to it. Someone say, attach significance. It's not the intensity of the offense that determines how much pain we experience from it. It's the significance we attach to it. Only when you judge something do you attach significance to it. Judgment is assigning significance to something. So if you're writing down a definition of judgment, assigning significance to something and assuming that you know the why or you know the, the motive. Um, we can refuse to judge. We can refuse to attach significance to the actions of others. We can actually put on a lab coat, be fully in our identity in Christ, and observe like a scientist what someone else's behavior is. Because their behavior has very little to do with us. It has everything to do with who they are. Amen? If we are not in self-judgment. Amen? Okay. Refuse to judge. God wouldn't tell us to not do something if we weren't able to not do it. Does that make sense? Okay. We can take thoughts captive. We can refuse to attach significance to the actions of other people. When someone's actions affect you negatively, just ask them about it. Ask them what was happening with that. Let them know how this affected you. Ask if there's a problem. Um, I highly, highly recommend you ask what is happening versus why did you do that? There's something about the question why that feels like an indictment. Well, why did you do that? Why did you do that to me? Why did you say that? Versus like, what was happening? Like you said this thing, what was happening there? Okay. Um, yeah. I'm going to say something that might ruffle your feathers. <laughs> Nothing that happens outside of you has the power to hurt you until you judge it. I can hear the like, that's not true. Oh, that can't be true. <laughs> okay, let's try this again. Nothing that happens outside of you has the power to hurt you until you judge it. People are not doing things because of us. They are doing things because of who they are. Okay? Um, and I'm, I'm going to share a story with you. Um, I am not the queen of clean. I'm, I have strengths in many areas. I'm okay with myself, I love myself, but cleaning house is not a gift that I have. Pray for me. <laughs> Y'all cleaners, like pray for me. I love to cook. I will make a giant mess in the kitchen cooking. I don't want to clean it up, like that's my thing. I've never been the queen of clean. My mom is the queen of clean. She is constantly cleaning. She is constantly scrubbing the sink. I'm like, it's not even dirty and you're scrubbing it. Like, what is happening? She reminds me of my friend uh, Beth. Shout out to Beth Malone if you're watching. Um, she gets out a vacuum and she cleans her other vacuum. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't even know you needed to vacuum a vacuum. Like, what? In, it's just like, what in the world? 
world. You know, like stuff I don't even know how to clean or never even process that you could clean it. You know, these people are just so fantastic at this. And so I used to just like stress and strive. And Daniel and I would clean our house like and try to be just as immaculate as we could before my mom would come over so I could get that like, I'm so proud of you. You cleaned your house, right? And without fail, she would show up to my house and she would find something dirty. (laughs) And she'd be like, oh, joy, you know, this thing, you know, on the side of your counter, you got to get in between the oven and the thing and put a butter knife in there and pull this. My, My mom's Korean. Sorry if I'm doing the accent. This is just how she talks. But, you know, pull a butter knife and get all the crumbs out of in between the thing. And so, like, there was one time that Daniel and I just, like, it was like an interval. We were like, we are going to clean the house, and there's going to be nothing that she can say about it. There's going to be nothing that she could possibly clean. And I kid you not, she comes through the door, barely says hi. She beelines right from my bathroom, pulls up the drain stopper that is covered in gook, because I've never considered the fact that you can pull that out of the thing and clean it. And she's like, Joy, look at this. And she pulls out this new cleaner that she's got, and she's been doing this at her house, and she's like spraying this thing down, and she's like, Joy, you can clean this with this special cleaner. And I'm like, I give up. (laughs) I give up. Like, there's no way I'm ever going to clean enough for this woman, right? Why am I experiencing pain from this? What am I judging? Who am I judging? I am judging myself. What what am I judging myself for? Not good enough. I don't know how to clean. It makes me a bad person. It means something's wrong with me. Oh, maybe it's touching that lazy lie that came in when I was six years old with the mile. Oh, I'm lazy. My mom's telling me I'm lazy because she's cleaning the drain thing. And I'm like, it's ridiculous, right? I finally realized my mom is wired differently than me. My mom is a server. She loves serving. She feels loved when she feels needed. When she can do something like that for someone, she feels like she's loving them and contributing something. And I finally stopped judging that and judging myself and receiving her for who she really is. She is not doing this as a reflection of me. She is doing this because of who she is. And so then I get to love her for who she is and be like, thank you so much for cleaning my drain thing. I had no idea. By the way, I've got five kids. Would you please clean my house? Like, I'll leave it dirty for you. That's amazing, right? And so then we get to fully receive how wonderful the people are around us when we get that dang log out of our eye. Amen? And we get robbed from how wonderful the people really are around us. Someone say, I am surrounded by amazing people. Lord, help me not to judge. (laughs) Yes. And Lord, help Joy to clean her house. (laughs) Just sneak in a little sneaky prayer. God answers prayer. All right. All right. Here's the lie. My judgments protect me. That is a lie. That is a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Your judgments do not protect you. Your judgments continue cycles of pain in your life. If it's not my mom coming over and cleaning my house, someone else is going to make a comment in my house. It's going to hit that button if I don't take care of that button. I don't need to have a button. Does that make sense? Amen. All right. Judgments only continue cycles of pain. God has to be our only protector And the truth is, our judgments produce pain. 
Someone say, my judgments produce pain. You know what the good news in, is in that? If my judgments are producing pain, that means I am not powerless. I'm not at the mercy of whoever's around me and just like, oh gosh, like I'm just going to get hurt all the time, so I better protect myself from people and stay away from people. I'm actually more powerful than that. Amen? So what's beautiful about the sozo process, um, if you're not familiar with sozo, it's like an inner healing method. There's many inner healing methods. Sozo is one that I personally find really effective and helpful, but there is many. And um, just a million ways to skin a cat. I always say that. Is there really a million ways to skin a cat? I don't know. How do you, I don't, whatever. Anyway, sorry. Tangent. Um, sozo process. You go in and you forgive. You forgive whatever the offense was. You release the judgment. You release your judgment against whatever the thing was, and then you cancel any debt that that person owes you. And there is something that is so freeing in that process. It, is, it seems so simple, but it is so powerful. So repeat after me. Forgive, release the judgments, cancel the debts. So, so freeing. Because our self-judgments become the tainted lens through which we see the world and the people around us. So if we want to change that lens, we're going to have to go in and heal those places that are, that are deep, okay? So Thanksgiving's coming up. <laughs> Thanksgiving's coming up, the holiday season, all of our family, and like all the stuff that comes with that wonderful things, hard things, sticky things. Everyone's trying not to make eye contact with me. <laughs> all right. How many of you might have some sticky family situations? If your family's in the room, you might want to be shy about how you raise your hand. Um, we have sticky situations with family, okay? Um, a lot of the times what happens, and I know a lot of people, and I'm, I'm not trying to make light of it, a lot of people are going through hard times right now. Um, in families, there's grief happening right now for a lot of families. Um, there's just like the stress of what's happening in the world, and then that impacts them and the way they talk and things like that. So there's some very real and very painful things that happen, especially around this particular holiday. And I'm telling you, part of that is because of the significance that we're attaching to a day. The significance that we attach to a holiday. Well, this is supposed to be when everyone's getting along, right? It's supposed to be like the picture, the Norman Rockwell, and they're all happy and smiling, you know, right? Um, the beauty of Thanksgiving in the beginning, at least the heart behind the holiday, is through rough times and hardships, people found common ground and they helped one another. And so something that started in connection, something that started in relationship and in intimacy became striving and performance and the checklists and all the stuff. And it's like, ah, oh, why aren't you being nice and stuff like that, okay? If we can unattach some significance that we put on a day, we can actually enter into the beautiful connections that God has for us. And even in those hard seasons, because I know it's hard and I'm not trying to make light of it, but even in times of like family grief and stuff, when you look back on those times and there's real connection happening, 
There is joy in those memories too. You might not feel the joy in that particular moment. It might be a moment of mourning. It might be a moment of praying together or just like figure, like what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Um, But those are wonderful moments in your family and wonderful opportunities to connect as well. If we can remove the judgment of Thanksgiving is supposed to look like this. Christmas is supposed to look like this. Does this make sense? All right. Sometimes we need to grieve who people are not in order to love and connect with who they are. Sometimes we need to grieve who people are not in order to love and connect with who they are. Okay? I'm not going to stumble over who you are not in order to see who you are to receive the wonderful gift and the things that God has placed inside of you. I'm not going to stumble over what I think you're supposed to be to me or what I think you were supposed to say or what I think, whatever, okay? So um, I have some bad news for you. Okay, so close your eyes for a second. Uh, I'm trying to trigger you on purpose, okay? (laughs) So picture your holiday, your Thanksgiving, or whatever this is. Maybe this is like a coworker, or maybe maybe this is someone in the church. I don't know, okay? And I promise you, I'm not trying to preach at anybody, okay? Picture that one person. That one person. You know the one. You know the one. The one that always does that thing. You know that thing, that thing that they always do. That thing. You know what that thing is, right? Okay? I've got news for you. They're going to do it again, and they're going to do it on Thanksgiving, and they're going to do it in your face, and it's going to feel like it's on purpose, okay? They're going to do the thing. So our job is not stopping them from doing the thing. Our job is to know I'm about to travel to Seattle, so I'm not going to get shocked and traumatized by the fact that it's raining every day but I'm going to bring an umbrella, okay? I'm going to be powerful to bring an umbrella because even though it's raining all the time in Seattle, I am going to be in charge of the atmosphere around me, and I'm not going to get soaked, okay? So that is going to require secret place time. That's going to require you deciding ahead of time who you want to be, how you're going to respond. It takes work, okay? I'm sorry to tell you, it takes work, okay? Boundaries should never be on the fly. Boundaries should never be in reaction to something that someone else does. Boundaries are about you knowing yourself, knowing your own buttons, knowing what you can handle, and going in with a plan and knowing how you are going to respond to someone is already decided. Does that make sense? Okay. You can open your eyes if you haven't already. Okay, the reason I'm trying to trigger you into that place is because you have to apply it in that place. Otherwise, we're all going to say yes and amen to this message. And then when someone's triggering us, it's not, it's going to be like over our heads. Does that make sense? Um, God has something for you in this. There's a reason. Like God, God shifted this message last night. This was not at all in the realm of what I was going to talk about. Um, yeah, let's put up the next scripture. Luke 17, 1 to 6. 
Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. What does God say is impossible? (laughs) The God of the impossible. What is the one thing he says is impossible? It is impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. Someone say, take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. These are the people that he told, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, heal the lepers, raise, you know, and this is when they say, increase our faith. (laughs) Oh, Lord, help us. Okay, help us. Someone say, help me. (laughs) So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Okay, so we're going to take this apart a little bit. Now, why does it say, be on your guard if your brother sins against you? Why does it say, take heed to yourselves when offenses come? Okay, it's like, why should I take heed to myself? They're the ones that did it, (laughs) right? Why take heed to ourselves, okay? Why take heed? Because if we don't take heed in those times, we're going to receive a log in our eye, okay? Um, We're going to receive a root of bitterness. Um, If your brother sins, rebuke him. Someone say rebuke him. Forgive over and over and over and over and over, okay? Now, I am never, ever, ever being a proponent of sitting under abusive cycles and abusive behavior. If someone is abusive or there is toxicness happening in a relationship, it is okay to forgive them and love them from afar. Does that make sense? There's, I have issues around me where there's literal safety concerns, and I have forgiven, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to subject myself to abuse, Okay, so this is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about forgiveness in in areas that are simpler than that. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, Take heed to yourself. Rebuke him. Forgive over and over. Now, rebuke. Um, Rebuke sounds like a strong word. It's like, I rebuke you, right? Like, we tend to rebuke the devil. Yeah, I rebuke you, Satan, you know. Um, Rebuke actually comes from two Greek words, and those two, two Greek words mean upon and to fix a value or to honor. So I am fixing value and honor upon you when I come and rebuke you. Okay, so this is not a like, I rebuke, I'm bringing this accusation against you. You did that, and the reason you did that is because this is what you think of me, and this is who you are, right? That is not a rebuke. That's a judgment. A rebuke is just like, hey, this thing happened. What was happening there? This, this was kind of the impact that it had on me, but what was happening? Do you understand the difference? That's what a rebuke looks like. We need to be quicker to rebuke in that fashion. Does that make sense? This says, quickly rebuke your brother, okay? Um, the effect of another person's behavior has little to do with their intent. That effect has everything to do with our judgment, Okay, so I'm going to give you an example 
um, someone uh, walks past you in the hallway and they don't say hi to you. <gasps> oh, okay. Now you can either put on your lab coat and just observe, okay, oh, they just didn't say hi to me. I don't really know why. Or we can put on the judgment coat and be like, they didn't say hi to me because they're secretly mad at me. And I bet I know what it is. It's because I said this the other day and I think they took it wrong. And that's proof that they just did that. And we go down. Who, does anyone else go down that road? Is it just me? <laughs> right? And we start accusing them and we start like bringing our own self judgments. Oh, the reason that they didn't say hi to me is because they think I'm lazy. Because it's going to hit those buttons that we've had, right? Whatever your button is, it's going to look different for each person, right? And then we're going to put that and assign that onto them, okay? What if that person just was completely oblivious to you, right? What if they didn't see you? What if they were stirred in thought because, like, they just got some terrible news about a family member and a bad report, and they're just, like, so engrossed in what's happening that they walk right past you. They, they didn't even process that anyone else is in the room, and it had nothing to do with you. And then what happens is if we don't rebuke quickly, okay, then we're just, like, we start to get more upset and more upset and more upset, and as we let the sun go down in our anger, then the enemy gets a foothold, and then we start gathering other people, and we're like, oh, my gosh, can you believe that they didn't say hi to me? And I'm going to attach some significance to that because you know what? And they're a Christian. Do you see what I just did? I attached significance to that, what they did. They're a Christian, and you know what else? They're a pastor. Whoa, the significance just shot through the roof, okay? Now, I am very mindful that my words carry weight, and I am very careful with my words and how I love people. It is always my heart to love people well, so I'm not, I'm not saying that as like a, oh, being pastor is hard or whatever. Like, I accept that with the job, and it's just part of being a good human being, but when we assign significance is when more pain happens in our own heart. Does that make sense? All right. Or we could rebuke quickly. <laughs> now, here's the problem. If you don't rebuke quickly and you let this go by for six months and then you decide to rebuke that person, are they going to even have any clue that that even happened? Are they even going to be able to share with you what was happening inside of them? They're not, right? That's why we have to do these things quickly. This is what loving relationship looks like. Like, this is, this is kingdom relationship. And I, I know it's hard. I know it's sort of counterculture in some ways. But this is how the Bible says to love well. Amen? Give them an opportunity um, to explain what was happening with them. Um, and I'm, I'm speaking to myself. <laughs> I, I want you to know that this message is speaking to me too. Um, so um, Jesus says um, if, you, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can tell that mulberry tree to be uprooted and to be cast into the sea. Okay? Here's the problem. Mulberry tree is not the original translation. Originally, if you go back and look at the original Greek, it is actually the sycamine tree. Somebody say sycamine. It is a very different tree, and Jesus is very specific for, for many reasons. A mulberry tree is a wonderful tree. It has luscious, wonderful fruit that's sweet and wonderful, and a sycamine tree, not so much. <laughs> okay? Um, we're going to read some characteristics of a sycamine tree. A sycamine tree has a very large and deep root structure. 
It's actually one of the largest in the Middle East. It could grow to 30 feet high or more, and its roots could be just as deep or even deeper than what you see on the surface. Okay? Its roots were so deep that it was very hard to kill because you have to get at every last root in order to destroy it completely. Okay? Remember the context of the scripture. Okay? This, the context of the scripture is forgiveness, is not letting a root of bitterness come in. The, the context is like, Lord, increase our faith. And he says, you want to increase your faith, all you need is a tiny mustard seed to pull out this root of bitterness. Does this make sense? Okay. Roots of bitterness. Um, Hebrews 12, 14 to 16 says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Okay? So what does that mean? Okay? What that means is these roots go down deeper and farther back than you think. You think it's about the person that didn't say hi to you in the hallway. But, and and sometimes, maybe the person was being rude. You know, that, that's a real thing. Sometimes people are just rude or whatever, and it's just like, okay, well, maybe you're not going to be in my inner circle then. <laughs> you know, that's fine. That's okay. But the sting of it is probably going to be traced further back than you think, down deeper than you think. And it's probably going to be traced back to when you're six years old and you received in PE class that you were lazy. Or mom and dad, and someone said something to you, and the way they responded or the way they acted, I mean, there's legitimate abuse that takes place. But then as little kids, we don't know, and we assign significance to the abuse that's happening to us, and we say, it's because I am worthy of abuse. It's because no one will ever love me. I'm not worthy of love. And we, those lies come in, and I hate the devil because he comes in when these little kids are so fragile, and it's so not fair. And I'm telling you, God has mercy for you in these places. He is not judging you. And so it's like, you better get this bitterness out of here. What is wrong with you? No, he's, he loves you so much, but he is coming in with you to pull up those roots because we don't want to have those in there anymore. Does this make sense? It goes back farther than you think. It goes back farther than you think. I promise you it does. And there, maybe the thing that's happening right now, it really is bad. Like maybe there really is some really bad things that are happening. But I'm telling you, the significance that you're attaching to it, it goes back down deeper and farther than you think. So we want to invite the Lord into those places to uproot every last root. And you know what? He's capable of doing that. Amen? That part is not impossible. A sycamine grows very quickly. You have to pull it out by its roots quickly or it will become harder and harder and harder to remove. You who have ears, let them hear. <laughs> the sycamine grows in any environment. Bitterness grows in any environment, social class. It doesn't matter where sycamine trees grow. Okay? Um, it grows best with very little rain or water. It grows best with very little rain or water. What does that mean? No Holy Spirit, no Word of God. That's where it grows best. Okay? The wood was commonly used for building coffins and caskets. Do you, how many of you know Jesus knows what he's talking about? When he says sick of mine, there's a reason he's saying sick of mine. Amen? 
Sycamine was used commonly for building coffins and caskets. Bitterness kills. It kills relationships. It kills health. It destroys families. It destroys churches. It destroys organizations. This is the thing. Like, I know, and I'm, I'm getting off topic for a second. I know that there is this thing swirling in the air of this Jezebel spirit thing that happens. And I know for many people that has kicked up around them in the relationships around them as well. With people coming in with, like, manipulation and lying and false accusation and stuff like that. Look at that. Ninja. <laughs> yeah, that, wasn't, that was athletic, right? Kind of, sort of. That was like a tetherball move, right? <laughs> I'm telling so there, there is this external thing that happens and makes things more complicated. But what is this always going to ride in on? It's going to ride in on the offenses and the hurts and the pains that you already have. So our job is to go and let Holy Spirit pull those roots up so that there isn't something to ride in on on the back of a fence. Does that make sense? This is how we overcome this stuff. We have to go low. We have to go in humility. We have to love well and love ourselves well. Amen? All right. Uh, yes. Um, the sycamine tree produces bitter fruit. Um, the mulberry fruit is delicious. It, rich people would uh, eat the mulberry fruit. Um, sycamine is so bitter that you can't eat it quickly. You have to nibble on it over and over and over. And then you have to put it away. And then you have to pick it up again. And then you have to nibble on it a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. He who has ears, let him hear. When you turn back to something and you find yourself chewing on it over and over and over and over again and rehearsing it, what the thing that happened over and over and over and over again, I'm telling you, there's an invitation there for deeper healing, okay? There's an invitation to have a good conversation with someone to bring a loving rebuke, and there's also an invitation for healing, okay? And that's just how good God is, okay? Um, the sycamine tree, you're going to think I'm making it up, okay? The sycamine tree is pollinated by wasps. They sting the fruit, and then the tree reproduces itself through the stinging. <laughs> Jesus! So the tree is reproduced by a wasp that stings the fruit and then there's stinging that happens, and then it reproduces again, and reproduces again, and reproduces again. Because the truth is, the things that we got hurt by in our family of origin is because somewhere along the line, they didn't deal with their bitter roots that came in when their family of origin did X, Y, Z, and their family of or origin didn't go after the roots. Does that make sense? So I'm telling you, this is not about generational curses. This is about generational blessings that have wanted to come so bad through generation after generation after generation, and now it's come to you, and it's available for you. It's going to take a little bit of work with Jesus, with him, always with him. Um, but God wants to remove those things. He wants to remove the stinging and stop the cycles and the patterns of abuse and hurt and harm. Amen. That's why he says, rebuke quickly. That's why he says, be on your guard. That's why he says, take heed to yourselves, okay? So that this isn't something that gets reproduced over and over and over and over again, okay? He tells us to uproot the sycamine tree 
with a mustard seed of faith. And now this is something that I've never seen before, okay? I've never considered the fact that he's saying use a seed to uproot this tree of bitterness. So what is he saying? You're going to replace this tree with a superior seed and a superior tree. Does this make sense? We're not just going to uproot this thing and cast it into the sea and just leave it at that. No, we have to replace it with the right thing. And it's this tiny little, it seems so insignificant, but it's a seed of faith that we put in the ground. Now, here's the cool thing about mustard. Mustard seeds are healing. (laughs) Mustard seeds, when you plant them, even if you just accidentally drop it on the ground, it becomes like a weed and it starts to take over. That's the wonderful thing about faith. Okay? You can use that faith to uproot that bitterness, and then faith is going to spread like wildfire throughout your, your entire life. Does that make sense? How many of you know, when I got healed, my heart condition, that faith, no one can take that from me. I don't care how many times I pray for someone, it doesn't seem like they get healed. I know that God heals, and I cannot put that back in a box. That's what faith looks like. Faith cannot be stopped. Just one tiny little seed. What's a seed? One tiny word from God. Where do we get these tiny mustard seeds? Where do we get these words from God? In the secret place, in the place of intimacy, dating Jesus at Manuel's. (laughs) Lord, what do you say about me? Because I'm going to take that tiny seed of whatever it is that you're saying, even if there's a part of me that doesn't believe it, I'm going to plant it in the ground. I'm going to plant it in the ground. I'm going to rehearse that thing. I'm going to rehearse that over and over and over. If we're going to rehearse something, why wouldn't we rehearse the good thing? Amen? If, if you find yourself chewing on bitter fruit, you have the option to throw it away. God, what is your word? What are you saying about me in this area? Amen? Someone say, I have a choice. Amen. All right. You are getting new levels of freedom today. Someone say, I'm getting new levels of freedom today. (laughs) There may still be some residue, but what freedom looks like is now you have a choice to choose. Does this make sense? Like, I might find myself tonight chewing that bitter fruit, rehearsing something painful that happened. But the difference with freedom is now I have a choice to choose, to chew the bitter fruit, or I'm going to choose, Lord, what's your mustard seed of faith? What are you saying about this situation? Amen? Now I have a choice. That's what freedom looks like is choice. Amen? All right. So if you're taking notes, here's practical steps, okay? Step one, identity up. (laughs) How do we identity up? You get in his presence. You get in the secret place. Let him love you. It always, always starts there. If I know who I am in Christ, I can take a bajillion hits from a bajillion people. And what's beautiful about it is I can also take feedback from people too. And it's not going to hit me in one of these roots. Does that make sense? Okay. Identity up. Step two, refuse to attach significance. Refuse to attach significance. Step three, ask the Lord, what is the potential log in my eye? What is the log that I already have here? Step four, Quickly rebuke. Quickly fix value or honor upon someone. Go and talk to them about it. Ask them what happened, not why. Ask them what was happening. This, this thing happened. What was happening? 
okay? Step five, forgive, release judgment, cancel debt. Now, what's the problem? If we skip step four, because many of you are probably like me, I don't love confrontation as like the wiring of my personality. Some of us might think, you know what? I don't even have to rebuke them. I can just go ahead and forgive them. I can just go ahead and forgive them for being a total jerk to me, right? And we think, I'll be super spiritual and not even have to bring a rebuke to them because I'm in my identity and I know why they did what they did, but I forgive them for that, right? With that, it doesn't work, okay? And I'm going to tell on myself, okay, because <laughs> I tried to skip that step. So I was sitting at a table uh, with a group of people and um, uh, Daniel's sitting here and someone's sitting here and this person made a comment about how much they like me as a person. And then my husband says, yeah, but me not so much. And I was like, oh, ouch. And so I was just like, okay. And so like we had a long car ride after that. And I was like, Lord, I forgive him for saying that dumb comment in front of a room full of people that heard him say that he doesn't like me. And I just attached significance to it. That room full of people that overheard this comment. I'm building my case. Has anyone ever done this? Am I the only one? I'm preaching to myself. Okay. <laughs> it was in front of all these people that he said. And, he, and, and you know what? I know he was joking, Lord. He was joking. But that was an unkind joke. And that hurt my heart. Da, 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 da. But I forgive him. I forgive him. I forgive him. I forgive him. Finally, I found myself eating the bitter fruit on this long car ride. And I was just like, hey, so like when you said this thing, like that hurt my heart. And he was just like, oh, he's like, they said they, that they, love, they, they really like you as a person. And he was saying, but I was saying, but they don't like me so much. He's like, it was just a dumb joke. I was just saying, like, they, they don't like me. And I was like, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, but you, okay. <laughs> right? And how much time did I waste? How much disconnection did we have? For like however long, it was probably eight hours between the, the, the confrontation and what actually happened. And I was stewing and I built my case and I tried to forgive him. But even if I had forgiven him, I forgave him for something he didn't even do. Does this make sense? This is why we can't skip step four. All right, I'm wrapping it up. Um, yes, everything is always going to stem from your identity in Christ in the secret place. Someone say, in the secret place. This is where he loves you. I mean, he loves you everywhere, but this is where you can allow him to love you in those deep places, to speak those words of faith, those mustard seeds of faith that can uproot bitterness. It's where um, you can just really allow him to come in. Now, here's the truth is that there's times that we have self-judgments and then we apply them to God. And that oftentimes is what's robbing our secret place. We're just like, oh, well, God thinks this of me. And when that thing happened or when that thing didn't happen, it's because I'm attaching it to I'm lazy or whatever the thing is. Does that make sense? Okay. So um, ministry time. Let's just all close our eyes. Here's the wonderful thing about God is that he is such a good redeemer that there is never anything wasted with him. Like, he's never looking at you and being like, you better just quit that. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, he, that is just not 
how he is. That's not who he is. So what's wonderful is that when these things are cropping up and we see these things, he has the ability to redeem these things for your favor. He has the ability to come and bring healing to places that you would have never gotten healing in if you hadn't seen this thing. So I want you to ask right now, ask Holy Spirit and just literally repeat after me. Holy Spirit, can you show me a situation or maybe even a person that I'm struggling with? And I believe God's giving you pictures right now or putting words in your mind or even feelings, like you might even suddenly feel like the sting of it. It might be something that you're dreading, someone that you dread seeing. Okay? And now we're going to go through the steps. So repeat after me. God, what do you say about this situation? Repeat after me. Jesus... What do you say about me in this situation? Okay. If you are taking notes, feel free to write down what he shows you if, if that's helpful. Okay, keep your eyes closed. Repeat after me. Jesus... How do I unattach significance to this situation? Okay. And I want you to go ahead and just, even in your own heart, just start, to, just start to detach significance that you've placed on it. Whatever this thing is, just decide. This thing doesn't get to speak to my identity. This thing doesn't get to speak to my value or my self-worth. This thing doesn't get to speak to my potential. And allow him to just speak anything else that he's speaking to you about that. Okay. Now we're going to ask, Jesus, what is pain that I have already had in this area? What is the log in my eye? What deeper pain is this attached to? What's the deeper root? Because I want to go all the way down and pull this thing out. He's giving you the grace to even feel the vulnerability of it. I know it might be painful, but I encourage you 
to fully feel whatever it is that he's bringing up for you. And I promise you that he is with you in that. He is not leaving you there, but he has come to rescue you in that place, whatever age you are. He has come for you. And he's pulling a part of you out of that moment and into the present with him. Yes, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing, God, for your healing love. I thank you for your tenderness going into those deep places, God. I thank you, Father, that you are so full of compassion, that you hate the things that have happened to us. You don't place judgment. You don't place blame. You just come in with kisses to kiss our boo-boos. Yeah, and he's just giving you um, a new word in that place. He's giving you that mustard seed of, of what he is speaking over you in that place so that that mustard seed can be planted in the deepest place where that root grows. And that faith is going to spread like wildfire and uproot that thing and cast it into the sea. Yeah, so we just receive, Lord, your healing balm, God. We receive your love. We receive your understanding. Thank you, Lord. And now I want you to ask, Jesus, is there anything that you want me to share with the person directly. Now this might be referring to the struggle person that first came up, or this might be referring to a deeper, older wound. And just see what he says about both, both places or if, or if they're even different. And let's just ask him, Jesus, will you be with me if I confront this person? Okay. And for some of these situations, we might not fully be able to enter into the last part of the process because maybe there's um, a, a different understanding that needs to happen. Um, but just because we're in a group with a lot of different people, we're just going to move to the last step. And just by faith, even if you don't feel it, we're going to walk through the forgiveness process. So just say, Father God, I forgive them. I choose to submit my will to yours, God. And I choose to forgive. I release any judgments that I've made about them, about me, 
about you or about the situation. And I cancel any debt that they owe me. Yeah. So Jesus, Lord, I thank you, Father, for what you did, for what you're doing, and what you're going to continue to do, God. And we just seal, Father, whatever uh, it is that took place just now, we seal it in the Holy Spirit right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you, Father, that you are so present, that you don't leave us alone to figure this stuff out, God, but that you are with us in every step. Lord, I thank you, Father, the same way that you just made yourself so present and that I was able to encounter you in a restaurant. I release and impart that to every person under the sound of my voice, to every person watching on live stream. I don't care if it's 10 years from now. I release that encounter, Lord, um, that people are going to sense your presence, Father, that they're going to feel your tenderness toward them, maybe in ways that they've never experienced before. And I just thank you, Lord, that you're giving people the grace to wipe their father off of the face of Father God. I thank you, Lord, that you are giving them the grace to wipe their mother off of the face of God. Yeah, and I just thank you so much for it, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you're coming for us in those places that lies are being destroyed, God, and that we are removing the judgment, the great limiter out of our lives, God, so that we can fully run after the things that you have for us to run after, God, with endless potential, with everything being possible to us, God, because that's how powerful you've created us to be. I pray for wonderful, anointed connection in this next upcoming week with family gatherings and friends and just even holidays coming up, God. I pray for wonderful connections. I pray for revelation and reconciliation in families, God. I pray for reconciliation and a new way of thinking, God, that we would come into these situations and see the gifts around us and be able to receive the gifts around us for what you intended them for, God, to release judgments, to release even self-judgments, Lord, and to love ourselves and to love people because you are first loving us and I just thank you so much for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. amen.